Hi, St. John's. For this week's podcast, we decided to feature one of our favorite recent sermons. We hope you enjoy. After Jesus rose from the dead, he gave what is known as the Great Commission. The Great Commission is, he said, to, for the church, and that's you and me. The church is not a building, but it's a people. He says to the church, go and share my love to the whole world. Go and share the good news that I love the world to all creation. That is what is called the Great Commission. And here is what I want you to take away into your heart and soul today is this. Evangelism is not about fear. It's about love. Evangelism is not about fear, but it is about the love of God that he came to rescue us from sin and death and to reconcile us to himself through his son. And when we share that message, what we are inspired by, what we are motivated by is a message of love, of God's love to them. Uh, Way back when in my ministry, there was a couple and the wife was a believer in Jesus, but the husband just wasn't there yet. And so um, she was really flourishing. She was getting a lot out of uh, the word of God and the, the church and the people and the fellowship. And so she was just really flourishing. But then her husband would observe her and he would just kind of say, you know, I feel like I'm missing out. And I was like, you are. Um, but then he came, he came to me one day and he goes, I am missing. I feel like I'm missing out. Like, what do I do about this? And I said, hey, you ought to take uh, what was the equivalent of our foundations class at this time in my ministry. Uh, By the way, you're welcome to invite anyone to the foundations class at any time. Uh, But he came to the class and he started hearing about our creator, hearing about sin and hearing about Jesus as the Savior. And he really was engaged and he really was asking a lot of questions and getting something out of it. And then the light bulb turned on and he said, "Uh, Andrew, I believe in this and I want to get baptized. And so he got baptized in the name of Jesus. And then he put on his social media post a picture of him getting baptized. And he wrote, my old self is passed away, my new self is resurrected. That's what he wrote. And so it was because his wife loved him enough to share it, um, and the church uh, loved him enough to share it, that he was, had an experience of the love of God through Jesus Christ. And so again, evangelism is not about fear. It's about love. And that is what this passage is ultimately about in Romans chapter 10 verses 14 through 17. Let's just kind of go back over it because it starts with this idea of calling on the name of the Lord. And this man got to a point where he said, I need to call on the name of the Lord in my life. That's the point where he got to. But check out the sequence that Paul unpacks for us here, Romans chapter 10. And I'm going to actually start one verse prior so that we get the context in verse 13. Paul writes, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then he says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And so in other words, They have to first get to a point of believing 
And then once they believe, then they can call on his name. Psalm 116 says, when we call on the name of the Lord, what we are doing is we're requesting his salvation. Okay, so all of us have gotten to that point in life, or maybe you're close to getting there, where we request his salvation and we say, God, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to help me. That's how uh, the background in Psalm 116 uh, interprets this. Also, there was Jesus told the story of a tax collector in Luke 18. And back in those days, uh, tax collectors were the outcast. Um, today, maybe they're good guys. Uh, back then, just seeing if you're paying attention, back then, they were really bad guys because they worked for the Roman government who infiltrated uh, every, uh, were infiltrating the, the nation. And so now what happened, though, is in the story, the tax collector, because they were also committing fraud and all kinds of stuff, he says, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. He got to that point where he was humbled enough to call on the name of the Lord. And then Jesus just says this. He went home, declared righteous before God because of his humility to be able to say, God, I need your help. That is calling on the name of the Lord. And so there's power when we verbally get to a point where we're willing to declare it verbally through a prayer or verbally out loud. Uh, if you look at four verses prior to this in chapter 10, Paul says this. These are famous words from the Apostle Paul. He writes, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he is an authority, that he is Savior of my life, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. For with the heart one believes and is justified. That word means to be declared righteous before God. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And so Jesus made atonement for sin. That means he repaired our relationship with our Father. Sin separated us. Jesus built the bridge. And then when he rose again from the dead, he conquers death. And so when we believe that, when we receive his death and resurrection for us, we're saved. There's power in declaring it. There's power in saying in your life, Jesus, you're my Lord. In your prayer life or publicly or uh, wherever it is, there's power in declaring, Jesus, you're my God. You're my Savior. And so there was a time when I had never heard an explanation of the gospel in my own life. And this is why I believe so much in life groups, because it was at a life group when I was 19 that I said to the, a group of guys, what does it mean that Jesus is the Lamb of God? Why does it say that? You know, like, I like Greek food, but this is really strange that it says Jesus is the Lamb of God. Can you explain that to me? Um, and so they were like, the Old Testament sacrificial system was to atone for sin. When it says Jesus is the Lamb of God, it means he fulfilled all of those sacrifices. And now he is the permanent, all-powerful, all-sufficient sacrifice to take away sin. That he forgives you of your sin permanently for all time. And so it was at that point that the light bulb turned on. 
And I was like, thank you. I've never had that explained to me before in my life. Here is the point of Paul's argument. I would have never known unless someone explained it to me. I would have never known unless someone shared the good news of God's love with me. I would have never understood anything unless they had the courage to say it. And so, check out where Paul goes next here in verses 14 through 17. He writes, And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. This is a quote from Isaiah, where a messenger shared good news with the Israelites when they were in captivity, that they would be set free. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. That is, in Romans chapter 1, the obedience of faith in the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? And here is the basic summary of the three verses that we read. And this is in 1 Corinthians and Ephesians, and then here again, this concept. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. And so I know maybe some of you really got caught up in the preacher, but Paul's main argument is not that we all need to be preachers. His main argument is faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ, whoever is sharing it. Because the power is not in the messenger. The power is in the word of Christ. And our message is not a feeling about God. Our message is not just that there's a higher power somewhere out there in the sky, but it's the message of the good news of God's love that he has come to us in the person and work and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's our message, and our faith is in him. And so what I would tell you then is this. God has not foreordained that there would be immediate zapping of people. So I know that like maybe that would be easier for us because then we wouldn't have to go and tell people. But God has not foreordained that he would just like laser somebody from heaven and just save them like bam. But he has foreordained a world where people get inspired by new information or people get inspired by an experience, and then we go and share it. We share that new information with people that need to hear it. And sometimes it's people that have heard it, but they simply have not absorbed the depth of it, the meaning of it, the significance of it for their heart, their soul, and their mind, and their life. And so we want to be people who are willing to unpack that. So... The message is Jesus, and the mission of the church is not simply transfer growth. What I mean by that is, it is good. Sometimes Christians need a new start somewhere, and that can happen. But the mission of the church is not transfer growth. The mission of the church is not, hey, let's be the best for those who are church shopping. And I, my contention is, as I observe the church in America, I believe that my, my fear is that many churches have adopted that model. 
And the mission of the church looks kind of like this. It's kind of a cruise ship model of the mission. And so if each cruise ship represents the church, then the church is trying to be the best at having the best product, the best religious product, the best religious service, the best show in town. Um, And then uh, what we're hoping to do is beat out our competitors. Okay, Jesus never set up the Great Commission like that. He never set up the cruise ship model. But what I believe he has set up is a rescue ship model. The church is gathered this morning. We're the people of God. The church is gathered in many churches in Denver and the suburbs and in the entire world this morning, depending on um, the the time zone you're in. Uh, But see, when we leave today, the church will scatter. The church will scatter and go back to our homes. Tomorrow, we will go to our workplace. Um, If you're traveling somewhere, the church will scatter and travel far. And so Jesus says, go and share my love with the community. Go and share my love with those who are drowning in their sin, who need renewed hope and life through Jesus Christ. Go and share the message of the good news of the gospel who are drowning in hopelessness, drowning in distraction, drowning in busyness. Those who don't see me, share them the message so that I will give them eyes to see and ears to hear. Now, uh, there's a church practitioner. He's, he was the CEO of LifeWay Research. He's an author. His name is Ed Stetzer. Very well-respected man in the church community. But he says that there are two significant obstacles that we have as the church who believes in all this stuff to sharing the message. That we have obstacles when it comes to sharing this good news with others. And he says that the first obstacle that we face, and I share these so perhaps we can overcome them by the power of God, is tolerance. Okay, when our culture says tolerance, what they mean is accept everything. However, I've never met one human being in my life that accepts everything. I've never met one person in my life on in friendships or in social media or whatever that accepts everything hear me in this tolerance is not about having no beliefs tolerance is about how you treat those with different beliefs than you i'm going to say it one more time because i think it's important tolerance doesn't mean you can't have beliefs tolerance is about how you respect and treat others with different beliefs than you. And know that when people talk about tolerance, they actually want a good thing for society. They want us to live in peace, and we should. That's why a lot of our ancestors came to this country. However, we're not just talking about how to have a good society. We're in the role of the kingdom of God. We're not about just the horizontal civil relationships. We're about the vertical relationship with the heavenly father. And so, When we share the message of God's love, we're simply sharing, hey, this is the way that we know. This is the way that has been revealed. There is a Savior named Jesus, and he's died for sin. 
There's a Savior named Jesus, and he's been raised from the dead. I don't know anyone else who is sinless, who's died for sin and risen again from the dead. His name is Jesus, and I want to share with you the way that I know. It's not that we are going to go out and argue about what the best religion is, but rather God has called us to simply share the message of his love. The second biggest obstacle, according to Ed Stetzer, that we face is universalism. Universalism is the belief that no matter what a person believes or does, good or evil, while they are on this earth, everyone goes to heaven. Now, I want you to know that it might sound good at face value, but it also means Hitler is going to heaven. It means that there's no concept of justice. It means there's no concept of accountability. And we both know that that's not a part of the human experience, to have no justice, to have no accountability. And so uh, what I would tell you as we think about this particular obstacle is this. God is a person. God is not just an abstract force out there somewhere in the sky, but he's a person. And you and I were made in his image. We were made in his likeness. So in our human experience, have there been people who have mistreated us? Have there been people who have sinned against us? Have there been people that have caused us much bitterness or sleepless nights? And, you know, we had to work that out and maybe forgive them or uh, live with that burden for a long time or maybe get a mediator or, or an intervention or something. Like the human experience shows us that we do believe in consequence, that we do believe in that we can be sinned against and there are consequences, that it's not just this simple thing. Why would we believe it's any different with God? God is a person. And the scriptures say he's grieved when we worship other gods. It says that he's grieved when we rebel against him and we just don't really care for him. But here is the good news. In his love, he's not just left us in that condition, but he's given a way for there to be salvation, that Jesus has died for all, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and he says, hey, I want to invite you to come and know my love and go to heaven and also experience new life, eternal life now, today. I think we think about eternal life as just a future concept, but God in the scriptures wants us to know it's a present reality now, that it's power now, that it's eternal life today. And so those are the obstacles that we face. And evangelism is not about fear. It's about love. It's about love for all. There was uh, an audio engineer that actually worked here a couple of years back. And he actually wasn't a believer. He just wanted to do audio for us, do sound. He's a great guy. And he was positive. But then, like, after time passed by, I was kind of like, I wonder what he thinks of all this. So I just said, I just felt this tug in my heart. And I was like, I got to take him out to coffee and share the gospel with him. And so that's what I did. We went out to Starbucks on Alameda. And then we walked to Wash Park. And we sat at a table. And I drew him a picture. And I talked about it. Now, the essence of the picture 
and you don't have to do that if that's not what you do. But the message of the gospel essentially has four parts. It's very simple. If you take away nothing else, I pray that you would take this. Look at this. God loves you. Sin divides us from this love. Jesus bridges this divide. And then how will you respond? That was essentially what I shared that day. I shared it because I really love him. And Jesus died for him, and I wanted him to know. Now, for the fourth part, how will you respond? I wish I could stand up here today and say he believed on the spot. I wish I could say that. But rather, he just said, I need more time to think about this. Until this day, I don't know if he responded with faith or not. And that's why I really wanted to share this with you, because here's why. Our responsibility is not conversion. Our responsibility is in the sharing. Our responsibility is not to save anyone. Our responsibility is in the sharing. So I know there might be like fear and like what are they going to think of me or how's that going to change the friendship or what's going to happen afterwards. Our responsibility is in the sharing. If you want to grow in your ability to share, I highly recommend this book right here. It's called Gospel Fluency by Jeff Vanderstelt. And really, the point of this is this. This is the basic premise of the whole book. Is if you get used to sharing the message of God's love with your husband, with your wife, with your children, with your grandchildren, with, with believers, and you're fluent at sharing it, it's going to be that much easier to share it with anyone because you're used to talking about God's love all of the time. Highly recommend it. Very good. And what I would also tell you is in a couple of weeks, uh, we're going to start a brand new sermon series called The Gospel from Every Angle. And we're going to look at all of those dimensions of God's love and how the good news has impacted us from how we were adopted into God's family to how we were declared righteous before God and all of those different angles. I want to invite you to that summer series and if nothing else, to receive inspiration on the different ways we can share it with not only believers but with non-believers and those who need to hear the message of God's love. And then here is what I would tell you again. Evangelism is not about fear. It's about love. And the more that we marvel at what he's done, the more that we marvel and we're in awe of the grace of God to us, we will be compelled to share. To the degree that you are touched by the grace of God, that will also be the degree that you are motivated to desire to share it with someone near to you. And here is what the gospel has done. Before we received the gospel into our life, we were excluded. After we were adopted. Before we were guilty of sin. After we were declared righteous. Before we were sick after we were healed, before we were enslaved, after we were set free, before we were spiritually dead, after we were made alive with Christ, 
before we were an enemy. Through the gospel, we are reconciled. To the degree we are electrified by this column right here, the more we marvel at it, the more we're going to desire to share the message of God's love with those near to us. And I know with a sermon like this, um, if you're a believer and you're in that space where it's like, yeah, I, I want to do this, but it's hard. How, ma- how many of you are kind of tracking with me on that? Like, I want to do this. I have a desire. I believe this, but it's hard to go out and do it. I'm seeing a lot of nodding heads. Here is what I think could be helpful is to know that God has given you a unique wiring. God has given you a unique personality. And you and I all have different, what I would call, evangelism personalities. And I want to share them with you. Some of you are the inviter, okay? You're good at inviting. You're like, hey, why don't you come to Life Group? Why don't you come to Advent by Candlelight? Why don't you come to this event? You're an inviter. Capitalize on that. That can be used by the Lord. Maybe some of you are quieter. Maybe you're, you're not the uh, initiator, but you love hospitality. So you're not the big talker, but you love to show hospitality. Uh, you can really play a big part in the kingdom of God by simply hosting people around a meal, engaging in conversation. Some of you are more of the witness. A witness is somebody that simply is comfortable sharing what God did in their life. So you just share, this is what God has done in my life. And the hope is that as they experience that, they might be inspired to also put their faith in Jesus as well. Some of you are encouragers. You hear how people are uh, going through something hard. Or you are somebody that knows people need encouragement to keep on going. I love you guys. Um, The encourager is somebody that sees that and they're bold and courageous, and they want to share the message of God's love to those who need to hear it. The prophet turns off everyone. The prophet is like the street evangelist that you guys are turned off by, but even the prophet is used by the Lord. And then finally, there's the friend. The friend is someone who's willing to be a friend for a long period of time. And maybe waits for them to open the door or maybe they just say, all right, it's time. I want to share the love of God tonight with them. I'm more here. I thrive as a friend to someone in a relationship. Wherever you are at with this, my hope is that you would see God has uniquely gifted you and designed you to be a part of this movement of sharing the love of God through Jesus Christ to your friends, your family, your coworkers, to those near to you as God opens up those doors. And so you know that this sermon series is uh, our, uh, rather our mission, our, our vision, our strategy. Today, this sermon is covering our seven-year vision. And here is our seven-year vision. It's this. It says, By our 150th anniversary, we actually have a date for that here, that tells you how long God has blessed us in this community, and we are grateful. We will train and deploy 150 spirit-led and courageous leaders or everyday missionaries who will make a gospel connection within their community, which will result in renewed hope in Christ. And so, I believe that this is not easy stuff I'm talking about today. And we need training 
on, hey, how are we going to do this? How are we going to accomplish this? I want to invite you to take this out. This is a piece of paper underneath the chair right in front of you. Um, if you are in the front row, it is behind your seat. I'm sorry. Um, but if you are sitting in a fashion where there's a chair in front of you, I want to invite you to take this out. This is a summary of our four-part sermon series. And I want to invite you to take this home, put it on your refrigerator. This is where our church is going. This is where Jesus is leading us. And at the top, it says our mission, why we exist. We exist to walk together, to bring renewed hope and life through Jesus. That's why we're in existence as a church. How do we know we're successful as we walk together with someone around that vision? We see renewed dependency. We see renewed priorities. We see renewed love. We see that the gospel is making a difference. We see that the gospel is changing them. Here is what I want you to take away from this. We imitate Jesus. We go through this. Then we bring somebody else along. In other words, we're experiencing renewed hope in life, and we bring somebody else along with us to experience that as well. How are we going to do that? Last week we covered, we're going to gather, we're going to grow, we're going to serve, we're going to go. Maybe we say, hey, come here with us. Let's walk together. Come to my life group or my Bible class. Let's walk together. Come and serve with me on the tech team or as a greeter or at Christ's body, walk with me. And then the last part says, go and share it with the power of Jesus. And that serves directly here. So it all ties together. I love what a missiologist said way back when. He said this, Jesus does not give you a, a mission to do for him but he invites you on a mission with him to join him. And he has the power. We just share. We just share. And so I want to close today with one of my favorite hymns. It's called Hark the Voice of Jesus Calling. And it says this, if you cannot speak like angels, if you cannot preach like Paul, you can tell the love of Jesus. You can say he died for all. Let none hear you idly say, there is nothing I can do. While the lost of earth are dying and the master calls for you. Take the task he gives you gladly. Let his work your pleasure be. Answer quickly when he calls you. Here am I. Send me. Send me. May the power of Jesus anoint us all so that we would be bold and courageous and share the love with our community and to the ends of the earth. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, may he guard your hearts, may he guard your mind through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen.